Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Every week, we get a chance to share the love of Jesus through music, art, and biblical teaching, and we're so glad that you're here to be a part of it. Let's get started. Good morning! Surprise! You uh, probably weren't expecting to uh, see me when you looked up here, but um, if we have not met, my name is Todd. Uh, I'm a member here at Renaissance. I was in full-time ministry for a little over 27 years before I stepped away and uh, pursued other things. So it's my thrill and honor to be here this morning. When I say surprise, it was kind of a surprise for me too that I'm here. Uh, when I sat over there last Sunday, I had no idea I would be up here today because uh, Monday, as Jeff and I are running, he was like, uh, oh, by the way, um, Stacy wants to know if you'd like to preach on Sunday. Sure, I would love to. That would be great. And basically what that means is um, Jeff needs a break. He's tired, and he needs a break, and he needs to step away for just a little bit to kind of pursue some other things, and uh, so I'm thrilled to step in and give him a break because I honor that. I understand the pressure, is that the right word? I understand, yeah, the pressure that he is under right now having to lead all services, get the building going, keeping it going, all that goes with that, it's you're never really fully at one place at one time because your mind is here and there and doing all that. So kudos to Jeff and kudos to you for allowing him to do that because really it's his love for you that allows him to step away so he can be healthy and he can serve you. And do you see all that? All right. So anyway, long introduction. So as I was sitting there last week and, and for me to fill in today was really kind of a, it just kind of fell into place. Because as I was sitting there last week, listening to what Jeff was talking about, uh, it was a part of me as a former pastor, uh, I'd like to yell from the seat sometimes, you know, little tips and suggestions. And, because one of the things that he talked about last week was that Jesus' disciples could have been called his apprentices, okay? So just like if you're learning a trade, okay, maybe you're going to join a union, and to join a union, you have to do what? First, you have to go through an apprenticeship program. They show you what to do. They show you how to do it. So they show you, and then you do it together, and then they let you do it, and they supervise you, and then eventually, you can go on and do it your own. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did with his 12 disciples, and if those of you that were around back in June when I spoke, I talked about that very idea of what Jesus called his Talmudim, his followers. Because what Jesus would do is he went around and he picked, handpicked these 12 Talmudim. And he looked them in the eye and he said, Lekacharai. Remember what that meant? Come follow me. And that was a big thing in those days because what that meant was that this rabbi, this rabbi Jesus believed so much in these disciples, he believed that they could be like him, that they could do the things that he did. And so when Jesus says to me and to you, come, follow me, he actually believes we can do it. 
that we can be like him. We can enter his apprenticeship program and do the things that Jesus did. But I'm afraid that oftentimes in kind of Christian circles, we don't talk a lot about that. We don't talk about this, that Jesus demonstrated not just how to get to heaven through his death, through his resurrection, faith in what he has done for us by grace, nothing in me, all in him. My fear is that we focus so much on that part of the message is that we sometimes fail to talk about this amazing life that Jesus demonstrated for all of us. That if we do the things that he did, that that's how life is supposed to work. And unfortunately, I think we have relegated Jesus to kind of a, a cosmic travel agent we've relegated Jesus to a cosmic travel agent who has arranged ticket a ticket for us somewhere else. And that's great news. But also, he has left us here to do something else, to demonstrate to the world what he and his kingdom are really like. Somebody who got that and understood that part of the message was a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was a mentor of mine in my years in ministry, and particularly in the last few years. Dallas Willard passed away about six years ago, but he was a professor, an author, and a great thinker. And this is something that he said in regard to this whole thing. He said, the idea of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning how to do what he did. Faith in Jesus has become isolated to this over here, to going somewhere else when I die, instead of learning how to do what he did. He goes on in another place, and this one I'm going to put on the screen. Dallas Willard asked the question, does Jesus only enable me to make the cut when I die, or to know how to protest, or vote, or agitate, and organize? Then he says, is it good to know that when I die, all will be well? But is there any good news for this life? If I had to choose, I would rather have a car that runs than good insurance on one that doesn't. Can I not have both? Wow. He says, I'd rather have good insurance, or I'd rather have a car that runs, a life that runs, than good insurance on a life that doesn't. And that is oftentimes, I think, exactly what we have fallen into, is we got great insurance on a life that doesn't work. Maybe we need to go back to Jesus and look at his example. Maybe we need to go back to our rabbi and become his Talmudim, his apprentices, and follow him so close that the dust of his sandals actually get on us and that we can become like him. But that kind of change and transformation, it, just, it just doesn't happen. We've got to actually prepare. We've got to actually change. We've got to be transformed in our thinking and in our doing. Here's where Dallas Willard says this. I'm going to use this. You're going to see this three or four times this morning. 
He says, authentic transformation really is possible. Authentic transformation, real change, really is possible if we're willing to do what? If we're willing to arrange our lives around those practices that Jesus engaged in to receive life and power from the Father. But how are we going to do that? How are we going to arrange our lives around those things that Jesus did so we can receive life and power from him? Well, here's how we've done it in the past. We've answered that question, how are we going to do it with this? We've said, I'm going to try really, really hard. I'm going to try real hard to do that. But trying really hard doesn't always get you very far, does it? Let me give you an example, a couple examples. When I was here in June, I, when I spoke in June, I talked about that uh, my wife Jennifer and I had just in April run a half marathon and what a revolutionary experience that was for the both of us. Well, since then, I have now completed my first marathon, my first ultra marathon, which is beyond 26.2 miles. But here's the thing. Do you think I just showed up at the start line of a marathon and said, with no training, never done anything, just said, I'm going to try really, really hard. Mark said, go. How far would I last? Not very far. Because in order to do something like that, you've got to train this day and this week and this month until you're ready to actually do it. Another example. Let's say I want to be a surgeon. Okay? And I'm going to try really, really hard to be a surgeon. So lay down and let me cut you open. I'm going to try and we'll see what happens. It's ridiculous. To be a surgeon, you got to what? You got to train. You got to watch somebody else do it. And then they let you do it and supervise. And then before you know it, you can do it on your own. Let's say you want to be more patient. Well, I'm going to try. What if instead you trained to become more patient? If I want to do anything bad enough, I need to do some things, first of all, to train my body, my spirit, my mind, whatever, to be able to do just that. There's a really big, there's a big difference between trying really, really hard to do something and training to actually do it. One will just be a lot of effort, but nothing really changes. So when people hear about following Jesus, being a Talmudim, an apprentice, we have the opportunity to display to the world what this Jesus of our of ours looks like. And what have we done in the past? Well, we've tried really, really hard. Has that made us more like Jesus? Probably not. Or to put it this way, what did Master Yoda tell young Skywalker? Do or do not. There is no try. Do or do not, Yoda said. There is no try but let's train instead or maybe you've heard it this way complete this sentence 
If at first you don't succeed, try again. Try, try again. That's not it. That's not the kingdom. That's not how it works. If at first you don't succeed, find out what went wrong, fix it, and then try it again. For instance, and I forgot to say this in the first service, I don't remember how many years ago, when, remember when the space shuttle exploded? Okay, tragic, disaster. Here's what happened. After they, that happened, they didn't just get another shuttle, ready, another shuttle ready and send it up, did they? What did they do? They found out what went wrong and fixed it and then launched another one. You see the difference? That's what we need to do. So if you want to learn how to love your neighbor, okay, you just don't try. I'm going to try really, really hard to love my neighbor. No, you have to train. You have to learn how to do that. Train yourself based on what you have seen your rabbi, your master, your teacher do. Someone once asked um, Dallas Willard, kind of, if someone wants to grow spiritually, where should they start? And I don't know how you would expect that answer to be, or that question to be answered. You might expect him to say something like, well, you need to, read your Bible, or you need to pray more, or have a quiet time, or go to church, or whatever. No. When Dallas Willard was asked the question, where do you start if you want to grow spiritually, he said this, do the next right thing you know you ought to do. Do the next right thing you know you ought to do. You already know do it. Train to do it. Not Bible study, not going to church, not prayer, not quiet time. Now, when you try to do the next right thing, you're going to need some help. And that's when maybe reading your Bible and praying and going to church and quiet time may help you. But it's not all there is. See, admittedly, I think we've not done a very good job of training people to do the next right thing. What did Dallas Willard say? Here it is again. Authentic transformation really is possible if we're willing to arrange our lives around those practices that Jesus engaged in to receive life and power from the Father. So we're going to stop. We're going to stop trying, and we're going to start training. And who was our model? Jesus, our rabbi. We're going to stop trying, and we're going to start training to see how we can arrange our lives around those things that Jesus did so that we can receive life and power from the Father to do the things that Jesus did. And if we blow it, well, back up, see what we did wrong, and go at it again. So this morning, we're going to start with something very, very easy. Something that you can walk away from this place this morning and say, I can do that. I'm going to start training to be like my rabbi. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 10. If not, pull one out from under the seat in front of you, or you can watch up here on the screen. Luke chapter 10, I'm going to show you three different places 
where Jesus is with his Talmudim, his disciples, and what he does, what he shows them how to do, and maybe we might get something from it. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. He says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So he's got 12, and they are with him, and now he expands the circle, and he sends out these 72 ahead of them, and he gives them power and authority to do this. They're kind of the prep and landing team, if you will, for where Jesus is about to go. Now, what happens when they come back is amazing. And I don't want to get all caught up in kind of the story, but I want you to see the big picture of what Jesus says to these 72. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, Oh, man, I know. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's kind of like they come back and they're telling story. They're sitting around the fire and they're telling story after story. And it's like, oh, Jesus, and then this happened. Oh, and then, and th- and then, then this miracle happened. And Jesus is going, that is so cool. You guys are so, I, I know, I saw what happened. It's amazing. Keep going. Tell me more stories. Tell me more what happened. Go on to the next verse. Verse 21. And in the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by, the fa- by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone who the Son chooses to reveal him. And then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, not to the 72, just to his disciples, the Talmudim, he says, blessed are the eyes that have seen what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What's Jesus doing? He's saying to the disciples, he said to the 72, I am so proud of you. You are seeing things that people would have liked to have seen for generations. You get to see it. You get to do it. Keep going. I am so proud of the Talmudim, the ones that I have chosen. You can do it. You're doing it. Story number two. Go to Luke chapter seven. Just a couple pages back. Different time, different place, different person. Chapter 7, verse 1. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, 
who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. A centurion was what? A centurion was a Roman soldier, a Roman kind of general, if you will. Did the Jews like or hate the Romans? They hated them. But yet, this Roman centurion has worked his way into the community in such a way that they actually like this guy. Verse 4. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now watch this. When Jesus heard these things, he what? He marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, disciples, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. What did the disciples see Jesus say to this guy? I am so proud of you. You are amazing. You came into a foreign land as a foreign person, as a Roman, and I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel, among all the Jews. The disciples saw Jesus say, encourage this guy and say, what an amazing person and amazing faith he had. Next story, Matthew chapter 13. That's on page 818 if you're turning in your Bible. This is right after Jesus tells the story of the, par the, parable, the parable of the sower. You know, seeds cast out, some on rocky soil, some on fertile soil. He just told that story. And this is what happens next. Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now watch this. Then he says to them in verse 16, to his disciples, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. What is Jesus saying? Most don't get it. But guess what, boys? You do. You get it. You're seeing things that people have never seen. You get it. And I am so proud of you. What was Jesus doing? 
whether it was to the disciples, to the centurion, to the 72, he was encouraging them. And he was allowing his disciples to see the power of an encouraging word from one to another. It's an interesting word, encouragement. Think about this. Look at the word. What word is in the middle of encouragement? Courage. And isn't that exactly what it is? Is to give, when you encourage someone, you are giving them courage. And actually, in the the original language that this was written in, in Greek, the word encourage, it means literally to come or walk alongside. And isn't that exactly what encouragement does? It comes along, it walks alongside someone and gives them courage to walk on, to do more, to be great. Jesus knew the power of encouragement and he knew that a few words at the right time, at the right place could make an enormous difference in people's lives. But let's be honest, so often, We are so busy, we are so distracted, we are so preoccupied with our own stuff that we forget. We forget the amazing power of a few selected words of encouragement that someone else might need. Many years ago, there was a movie, and most of you probably have never seen it or never heard of it. It was a movie called Eight Seconds. Anyone? See, I told you. Oh, Terry got it. Okay. Eight Seconds. It was a story about a bull rider named Lane Frost. Lane Frost was a world champion bull rider. He was actually played in the movie by Luke Perry. Anybody heard of him? Yeah, see, now we got nods. Okay. It was a great movie, and the movie was really kind of the understory was the relationship that Lane had with his dad, or better said, lack of a relationship that he had with his dad. And one of the foundational scenes in the movie is Lane has just won the world champion bull riding whatever finals in Las Vegas, And his dad sees him for the very first time. He comes home after he's won this championship and he's got the big buckle that says bull riding champion. And the first thing that his dad says to him is this. Well, we'll see if you're a real champion if you can win it again next year too. What a jerk. All Lane wanted was some encouragement. All Lane wanted was somebody to say he'd done a good job. And toward the end of the movie, spoiler alert, Lane dies. He's killed by one of the bulls that he's riding. And after the funeral, there is a scene where you see his dad talking to his Lane's mother And with tears rolling down his cheeks, his dad says this. He said, I can't remember for the life of me if I ever told him I was proud of him. What a tragedy. 
may it never be so for us. When I saw that movie, I vowed that I would never allow my children to grow up and ever, not ever hear their dad say to them, I am so proud of you. So every chance I've gotten since then, that was probably 25 years ago. Every chance I get, whether it's a text, whether it's a phone call, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's face-to-face, every opportunity I have, I say to my kids, I am so proud of you. Now, what do you think that does for them? An encouraging word. We all need that. But here's the thing. What does it do for me? I tell you what it does for me is it teaches me how to be like Jesus. It teaches me how to be his Talmudim, his apprentice, to arrange my life around those things that Jesus did where he got life and power from the Father instead of just trying really, really hard. So here's our application. Here's our training session for this week. Are you ready? It's real simple. All you have to do is this. This week, every day, I want you to find one person and I want you to say to them, text to them, write to them, however you choose to communicate. But I want you to say to one person this week, every day, what? I am proud of you. I am so proud of you. That was an awesome job. You did an awesome thing there. To see the power of encouragement. To see what it does for them. But also to see what it does for you. Jesus did it. And he showed his disciples how to do it. And I think they did it. And so we're going to do it. You have no idea the difference it could make for them. And you have no idea the difference it could make for you in advancing God's kingdom right here, right now. And if you come back next week and you forgot it, it was like, oh, well, I got to, if you blow it, okay. If your rocket blows up, then we'll say, hey, what went wrong? And let's fix it. And then we'll do it again. What did Dallas Willard say? Quote, authentic transformation really is possible if we're willing to arrange our lives around those practices that Jesus engaged in to receive life and power from the Father. We're not just going to try anymore, okay? We're going to train. We're going to arrange ourselves, our thoughts, our ideas, our actions around those things that Jesus did. And we'll receive that same life, that same power from the Father. And show the world what this Jesus of ours is really like. It worked for them. It worked for the disciples, the Talmudim. And maybe if we train, it'll work for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we're honored we're honored that you spoke to our heart at some moment and you said, Lekakorai, come follow me. 
I believe you can be like me. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will allow us, now that we've heard those words and we're following you, or at least we've been trying, that starting today, we'll begin training. To see someone, someone we love, maybe someone we don't even know, and say, I am so proud of you. And to see what that encouragement does for them what it does for us. And we'll know just a little step in arranging our life around what you did. May it be so for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing him. And I want to encourage you to take the next step in your relationship with God which might be getting involved with a group of other believers. If you'd like to be a part of what's going on here at Renaissance, then please connect with us on social media or online at renaissancedecatur.org.